0: Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us for today's Buzzcast. My name is Karen Connolly. I'm the VP of Operations for Altera Group, and you're probably already familiar with Appraisal Buzz. I presume that's how you found your way to this Buzzcast. We publish the Appraisal Buzz newsletter specifically for real estate appraisers, it goes out twice a week. We also publish the Appraisal Buzz magazine that goes out twice a year. And uh, before we launch into our discussion today, let me tell you a little bit about ACI. As a provider of innovative appraisal solutions for more than 40 years, ACI is a trusted industry leader. Join the thousands of appraisers and many of the largest appraisal companies that use ACI software to optimize their business. The ACI One Individual Plan is available today for $649, and it includes forms and rules, Uh, sketch software, unlimited location and flood maps, public record data, ACI Open House, and more. For more information, you can visit ACIweb.com. And with that, Joan, I'll turn it over to you. Hi, everybody. I am Joan
1: Trice. I am the founder and CEO of Altera Group. And we are having an appraisal buzzcast today with Scott Reuter from Freddie Mac. And Scott is an old friend of mine. And we have a lot in common, including uh, days in Cincinnati. Right, Scott?
2: Going back to Cincinnati, that's absolutely right. So
1: what a great group of appraisers that was in Cincinnati. I, I really miss that group. And you all worked together at one time, right?
2: That was quite a throwback, right? So that's, uh, that was Provident Bank, mid-sized Midwestern Bank. I shared with you anecdotally on the same staff, and I know I'll miss people, but we had myself, Jerry Urich. Uh, Scott Sparks, Mike Kirk. Anyway, we had, a, we had a number of folks that have gone on to be chief appraisers and do a variety of things. And then to your point, that was a throwback to an era where banks actually formed and had an appraisal staff on – or appraisal team on, and a review team on staff. They sent us a tremendous amount of training, and it was uh, you know, probably the last vestige of, of the old model. And I got a tremendous amount of training – and made some good friendships, and I think that was that was kind of the start. I'd been in the field for many years. Transitioned into the uh, the bank review job. Yeah, it was off from there.
1: And then to give everybody a little bit of your background. Where did after Cincinnati? What uh, where'd you go? Where'd you end up?
2: So the first big kind of job on the national stage was uh, was E Trade in uh, the DC area here for a short period of time. Quickly transitioned to uh, GE. They had just purchased uh, WMC Warehouser Mortgage Corp. Right as the market was peaking up, uh, this is sort of the O three O four O five pre-crisis, uh, and uh, they were growing like crazy. They had enough sense to know on the consumer finance side they needed um, they wanted to put some teeth in their appraisal and appraisal review staff. So I was a part of that. They went to Dallas uh, for Bank of America for almost ten years. Short stint at Goldman Sachs prior to uh, prior to joining Freddie Mac.
1: Well, welcome to the Eastern Shore, of Maryland. So, and, for those of you who don't know, Scott's also somewhat of a neighbor of mine. Just, just down the road. road up, that's right, to, as exactly. They say on the Eastern Shore. All right. Well, let's dive in. So, I guess kind of a topic du jour or of the year is COVID nineteen. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Just the gift that keeps on giving. Why don't you give everybody a little update on, uh, and a report card on, you know, how appraisers are doing, too.
2: Yeah, it's a a great point, and you're right. It swept into our world uh, in a big way at the beginning of March, and I think it's, to give some perspective, in my view, on anything related to COVID, it's important to, um, you know, rewind the clock six months or so to March. You know, I think it was March 11th was a Wednesday, and uh, that was the day Freddie Mac employees were sent home. I think that Friday, the president announced the national emergency, and I think 10 days later, 10 calendar days later, we announced our flexibilities. Firstly, in looking back at that, it seemed like a long period of time um, for the industry. We were hearing every day, you know, oh, the silence from the GSEs is deafening, and are they going to come out with anything? But really, from a GSE perspective, we worked with our friends at Fannie Mae on that at the direction of our uh, regulator, FHFA, and that was warp speed. It was really quick, and the two teams that typically compete with each other collaborated with each other, and uh, our regulator provided a lot of tremendous direction, so it was really, it was quite a thing that we got those, that first announcement of flexibilities out. We had some that followed that touched on extending the flexibilities to do construction and that type of thing, but so that was the first thing. Secondly, uh, we needed to stand up the flexibilities quick utilizing existing forms and modified certifications so the biggest concern that we had was how that was going to go appraisers uh, by and large did a great job in terms of uh, adapting to and and uh, being able to follow the guidelines for using a 1004 form 70 for a desktop and a 2055 for an exterior with uh, with modified certs the um the overall adoption has been a little less than we anticipated, and I'm not exactly sure why, but having the flexibilities in place, I think, is important. I think we're learning more about the pandemic as we go on. So I think there's initially, again, going back to that March time frame, people really didn't know. Myself included, I was washing my hands a lot. People didn't know really how and where, and I think people got more comfortable with some protocols. So we still saw a lot of 1004, traditional 100470 work come in. So that's been it. And then the uh, extensions have pretty much been 30-day rolling extensions. Uh, there's some been opinions on that across the industry, whether or not there might be broader adoption if, the, uh, if our regulator were to go longer. So I'm not going to speculate on that. I understand that. And we hear a lot of feedback about the uh, – the processes at the big AMC's are pretty mechanized, and for them to operationalize something that may only be in effect for 30 days is could could have an impact on them having uh, you know a, a more broader appeal to utilize the the flexibility.
1: I also recently saw a chart, Scott, demonstrating or illustrating the volume of appraisals submitted to UCDP. Can you? Talk about that and maybe some other relevant statistics, uh, yardsticks that we ought to be looking at?
2: Sure, that's, that's a great point. I, that slide may or may not have originated with either myself or, or Mr. Danny Wiley at, at Freddie Mac, but it was, a, it was an update of a, a volume slide against appraiser capacity that, that we like to update. I think it's currently about an eight-year look back, and it just shows it was originally designed in 2016, to begin to show the capacity and the pressure on existing appraisers, and I think in the last six months or so, it's been very helpful in showing the tremendous amount of volume that's been submitted to the UCDP. So we've seen record submissions this year. I think we have um, a couple of historic, couple of things happening. We've got historic low interest rates. I think we had a tremendous amount of refinance as well as purchase demand. We're seeing some changes in in uh, in a blip. I read uh, Lawrence Yoon. With NAR, they're, they're tracking record home sales in, on the purchase side. So, And then people are speculating off of that. Why is that? Are there people that were, you know, apartment dwellers kind of on the margin, kind of waiting, and then now's the time uh, because of COVID, interest rates, and and what have you? Um, you and I had a conversation not long ago, and even in the little town where I live, there's homes that have been on the market, and they're all sold. So, I mean, there's a lot, and, and people were bumping into or – there's an interest to kind of moving out a little bit, so um, so I think all those things are are, are kind of playing in right now.
0: In, indeed, thank you, Joan. Our thanks goes out to our sponsor, Amrock. Amrock is hiring staff appraisers. Your best career move starts at Amrock.com/careers. Joan, you have the mic.
1: So actually, the the chart.
0: I, it was Danny
1: who sent it to me. I believe showed that in July you hit a record 700,000 appraisals submitted to UCDP, the uh, appraisal portal. And Danny said that in the, you know, the running average uh, in the prior months leading up to that uh, spike was about a little over 400,000 a month. So right. So you, you guys definitely hit the wall.
2: Yes. I mean, we, we went months where we didn't see 400,000, and I think this year, and I don't have the numbers up, we didn't see one that was under 600. So, I mean, it's just, it's been that kind of volume that's been coming through. So, um, again, the, the speculation, is it a blip? Is it short-term? Will it sustain? I think we talked about some of the factors that might be influencing it now. So that's, that, that's a lot of what's behind that slide.
1: All right. So let's talk about the topic of appraisal modernization. Tell us about that initiative. How did it originate and what's the mission?
2: So uh, through your events and other events, you know, we we kicked the, the formal appraisal modernization as a scorecard initiative, I believe, originated in the first of January in twenty eighteen as it was stood up originally as a three-year scorecard initiative from our regulator to each GSE independently. So there's a few things we worked together on like the UAD redesign. We're collaborating on that together. The regulator wanted Fannie and Freddie to work on modernization independently. And like any big scorecard initiative, it had a number of deliverables and the direction for the first year, year and a half was a lot of industry outreach. So we did that. And again, through uh, through CRN, through uh, Val Expos, through a lot of events, we engaged with the industry to really listen. And that was really the, the the edict or the premise was reach out. Don't just get in a room and determine what you think modernization looks like and then hand it to the industry, engage with the industry. And we saw a lot of, you know, common pain points and issues and concerns and themes. And, and we began to work on that. And that Official effort was paused as we came into 2020 by our regulator, and I think they're going to just move directions. Modernization is not going away, and innovation is not going to stop. But I think we had a new director, if you remember. So I think Director uh, Calabria wanted to better understand, and I think his staff wanted to better understand and get involved and give appropriate direction to the to the valuation group, and that's kind of where we're at. What what we are interested in, and what you know, clearly has not stopped, has been uh, just innovation around the industry. So there's, uh, as a part of the ed- 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 uh, pandemic, rather, a lot of tools and tech have emerged as a result of uh, the crisis, and to me, it's one of the bright spots. One of the few bright spots has been the proliferation of the tools and tech that's been developed. I think the, the pandemic's been a bit of a catalyst for that. Some of these technologies were there. Some were developed new. Uh, but I, and, uh, I'm very bullish on the, um, the homeowner-enabled inspection apps. There's a variety. I think we've looked at tw- – I'm not exaggerating. I think we've looked at 20. Um, there's different flavors and different varieties out there. Uh, not one seems to have the exact same thing as the next, but I think that's part of the learning process. I like a few things of that one and one of those. And So we're, we're kind of building out a core list of elements that we like. A lot of the uh, security features – the location spoofing and a lot of things that I think are integral to really getting broader adoption are some of the core principles that we're, we're really interested in. But I think we're also just trying to look for a practical standpoint, not only learning, but seeing where those may fit in a, you know, from uh, the margin to the mainstream going forward, do they have a place? Um, so, you know, one of the things we've discussed, it's, it's just, nothing is formal, but uh you know, the appraisers get together and we're, we're thinking, you know, is there a is there a place to take a few small steps with this on repair inspections? Some not complex, not complex re-inspections, but a repair inspection that, you know, you, you need to run out and do. Uh, you know, I've said a couple times nothing breaks the uh, a busy appraiser stride more than going 40 miles the wrong way on a, on a day where you're on the other side of the county but it's a good client and guess when they're closing tonight or tomorrow and we've all lived for it happened to
1: every one of us happened to all that, of us yeah
2: so to me that feels like low risk to say let you know we're we're doing it on covid with with new construction with certain inspections and such so why not maybe introduce it there we could also continue to 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 test and learn i think one of the things that's more extreme right now that there was initial interest to well why don't we just use that and that's our inspection for a 100470 it's like well no, you have, a whole, you have a whole structural problem there because the certifications require that the appraiser actually entered the home. I think you've got layers of complexity where there's reasons why you really want the appraiser to just do that assignment uh, in a very traditional fashion. But I think, you know, and you've, if you know me five minutes, you know my spectrum, right? I have my favorite spectrum slide, but I think on the lower end of the spectrum where there's lower risk and there's a lot of data, I think there are probably places we could think about introducing this, and that would be very exciting.
1: Yeah, it's uh, kind of hard to accept the fact that COVID may have actually brought about some uh, some uh, productive, uh, positive change. But, yeah. you know, I, I know in our own business, you know, it's made us rethink some things. We, you know, we yeah. all get in a habit and we do what works when we do it over and over and over again without questioning it. And then suddenly you get something that, prevent you from doing it that same old way and reinventing yourself is never a bad thing and um,
2: i couldn't agree more yeah. Joan. and i think you're i think you're right i think that's very astute you know i think the most of the and appraisers are very good at adapting at that and building in and trying to find efficiencies in in you know parts of a process which are probably very uh, you know you can't argue that they're very antiquated but i think most of the technology advancements on the appraisal industry over the past couple of decades have really been on the administrative side. So appraisers still do pretty much the same things to produce an appraisal that they always did. Um, They just had newer tools and being able to find and gather data and put the reports together and, and build efficiencies. But I think the innovation going forward is really going to be more on the development side. And I think that these new technologies really, you know, we work very hard to think of ways to keep appraisers in the process. And I think we can, think of ways to really put these technologies in the hands of appraisers you know be able to operate and appraise and, and develop appraisal reports in a new world whatever that looks like if it's interacting with larger data sets using more robust analytics and just thinking of different ways to do page two of an appraisal you know uh, uh, you know the, the three comps in a cloud of dust I think is 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 one of the more antiquated elements of our existing process, and I understand where it came from, and you and I are both appraisers and worked in that structure for a long time. I think one of the downside impacts was, um, you know, it just, it took, a, a, it's it's impacted a generation of appraisers who many are, are just got so conditioned to form filling that that became, the form became the process, not the place where the resulting work landed. Um, you had a great comment at one of your events. I still laugh about, you know, of, I don't think most appraisers can wind their watch without the 1004. And I actually think you're right. You know, that's, it's that's true. We, we're used to the form. We fill the form. Appraisers quote by the form. What form do you want? You want 10? Well, you know, that's, that could be different if it's a shoebox or a big complex house, but they don't think of it. They think of the form. And I get it. And I was guilty of it, too. But I think those are the kind of things we need to message and work very hard to reinforce that we can help appraisers kind of get past.
1: Yeah, you know when that that particular comment, uh, if you've ever seen, read the book or seen the uh, documentary *Freakonomics*. Oh yes. The opening scene is about I, I think it's Stephen Levitt, one of the authors, wanted to sell his house, and a friend of his wanted to buy it. So, wow, couldn't get any easier than that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, well, what do you want for it? I don't know. Well, let's hire an appraiser. So they hired an appraiser and the appraiser came out and said, so what's the contract price? And they were, we, we don't know.
2: I didn't know that. That's fine. We,
1: we want you to tell us what it's worth. Uh-huh. And the appraiser was completely stumped. He had he he was he was so used to being anchored. That's right. To that contract price, and and that's on that's really a sad
0: commentary on our profession. Thank you, Joan. We can't bring you this podcast without our sponsors. Clearbox has recently added new subscribers who are aggressively building out their panel. In each case these new subscribers are requiring background checks. Clearbox is offering a discounted background check for 30 days for just $39. Sign up today at clearbox.com. You can attract new clients and don't forget to use coupon code CLEAR10. That's all lowercase, CLEAR10. Back to you, Joan. Yeah, we really do need to
1: rethink I think a lot of our um, ingrained practices.
2: Well, that's a great. St- so, first I didn't know that. I have yeah. the books. I'm gonna have to yeah. upstairs. Now you've, you you encourage me to dig it out and, and give it if, give that first chapter a reread. But I think there's a couple there's a couple dimensions on that, right? So you and I think of it from the appraiser side, and you're right. We are conditioned, and if if it's not blatant anchoring, and I know the Philly Fed and Dr. Nakamura and that study, they was very informative, but they wrapped a, a certain narrative around it. I think appraisers looked at it differently. And I think when you're outside the profession and you look in, the perception is that the, you gave the appraiser the answer to the test because you saw that high spike in his data right at or near the purchase price. And I forget yeah. what the tails were in the range, but it's insignificant other than the point that for a large degree, that, that really does influence value. I would argue most appraisers you talk to are reading the market when they are reconciling towards that number, if you do it the right way, and you don't use it as a target, but you use it as a, as a data point. But you're right. And I even reflect back when I was in the field many years ago in Cincinnati, some of the more challenging assignments were like that. And I remember a few, one was kind of a mixed use, I have a general certification, but one was kind of a smaller mixed use business, Western Hills in Cincinnati. And the owner was a friend and hired me. And he, it was it was going to be an, a transfer to a friend. There was no part. It was, he, I think they had shook hands or played golf or something over the number. But they wanted an appraisal. And I fell into that trap back in the clipboard days. And I was like, okay, we you know, just trying to get a little information. Goes, no, we just want you to tell us. And I worked and I wor- I said, I can do that. And I worked and worked. And I thought, okay, there's a friendship on the line. A whole lot of things at, at, at stake here. But bottom line, I came up and I was within a few thousand dollars of the number they had in their mind. They go, great. That's what we thought. And I was like, wow. we can do it. We can do it. We're just not conditioned to do it to your point. So that's right. That's yeah, right. It's interesting.
1: It's uh, tell us a little bit about the state of the residential market. I mean, there's a lot going on right now with COVID impacting I mean, there's some major demographic shifts going on.
2: Well, that's right. and I'm maybe like you and a lot of people. I read, am trying to read everything, and get my hands on. And right. I'm a very interested observer to the earlier point. Yeah. We've got a lot of things driving the market now, interest rate just being one. The buying patterns I think are tremendously interesting. Are we seeing a suburban shift? So it's not only where you buy, uh, but what you buy. So is it, it's clearly in certain markets out of the urban areas into suburban. And then, uh, you know are these are questions right so are high rise condos and buildings with dense layouts going to have lower or limited appeal and homes that have yards or bigger yards or layouts that support outside activities and socializing and gardening things are they going to be tr- trending up and i think we're we're starting to see that and then also what's in the home so i was on a panel with with some home builders and they were already beginning to see a lot of interest in home design so it, it, it makes sense. So homes that support or have a home office or home offices, if well, you yeah, have a, two a, offices, right? right.
1: Two working uh,
2: the, people, both right. spouses work. Yeah. Um, dedicated uh, area for homeschooling, home workouts, home entertainment. Yeah, everything's very home centric. So they're really giving a lot. And I have to tip my cap to the build uh, the home builders. You know, they're very thoughtful about this. They were the ones that brought us. A lot of the innovations you see in new homes, the open great room, the smaller kitchen leading into the in, into the big entertainment center and that type of thing. Uh, we live in an older home. So we've got all the functional issues in an older home, big giant living room, big giant dining room, small kitchen,
0: you
2: know, no real TV room, you know, so you, you live very differently and as these patterns evolve, but that those are the things that really interest me. So aside and from- And that's the- what
1: makes appraising fun. I mean- Oh, just-
2: without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. And appraisers are going to be on the front line. And if, if really trying to solve that, understand that, read the read the trends. We, we're usually very good in the here and now and looking back. I think the appraisers, are going to, we're going to have to challenge ourselves to, to be a little better at forecasting and looking forward. Uh, a lot of appraisers are beginning to put a lot of the narrative in their reports that we see through our QC and our sampling that they're recognizing and beginning to un- ensure that the readers recognize that COVID's happening. <laughs> so I'm going to do the best I can to read what I can read. And then again, going forward, these I think are going to be things that are going to directly impact value. And that's where appraisers are really going to be on the front line of of trying to assess that.
1: I certainly appreciate your appraiser facing. I mean, I know you've done a lot of webinars with us and others, and you're here today, and your prominent and consistent face at Valuation Expo. We have a brand new for our listeners, brand new Buzz Forum, mm-hmm. BuzzForum.net and that's a bulletin board. And Scott has agreed to moderate that Freddie Mac channel, if you will. So he is going to be accessible there. If you have questions about the forms for the COVID flexibilities or any other appraisal problem that you're faced with, Scott's going to be there to point you in the right direction. So we... I think that's going to be a really cool resource that um, I do too. With yeah, we, direct we, interaction.
2: No, we, and we thank you for the continued partnership and the engagement in the, in the platform. I think it's a, it's a win-win. We're parenthetically, we're working that through last few little nuances of what we need to, to do, but we're very excited to get started. And okay. I think it's, uh, it's, it's going to be very exciting. So.
1: Well, good. All right, Scott, is there anything I missed?
2: Joan, I don't think so. No, again, we, just appreciate the continued engagement, and uh, you know, always, always happy to, to do our part. And uh, and really, thank you and your you personally uh, as well as your teams for all you do. I know it's uh, you stay on the front line of not only providing a platform but being a conduit for a lot of information that gets disseminated very quickly uh, across the industry. Even though I am on and I monitor all the email and the forum and everything else there, it's tr- it's interesting to me the different the different folks that will copy and paste something that you put out and send it to me because they are monitoring. So I know your reach is, is pretty substantial. So again, I, I thank you for that. And uh, and I appreciate the invitation to join you here today.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Scott. Have a good thank day. You
2: Thanks, Joan. Bye-bye.
0: Just as a reminder, if you have any questions for Scott Reuter, he has his own channel on buzzforum.net. It's free to sign up. You can enter your email address And you can chat directly with Scott. What a great discussion. We'd like to thank our listeners for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We look forward to the next time. And we hope everybody stays safe out there.